You're listening to the voice of the future, fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the conservative crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the 17th of May. I put 13th in my notes. That's quite the problem. The 17th of May. 2022. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Follow me on social media uh, at GOP Josh 20 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, GOP Josh everywhere else. We have a new White House press secretary. Um, Jen Saki left to join MSNBC while it was still profitable. While her name was still profitable, she left to join the MSNBC. But the new hiree, which we talked about last week, is a, or maybe the week before, is a gay black immigrant woman, which marks off all the perfect identity politics boxes for the Biden administration. And that's exactly what she's there for. To mark off the identity politics boxes for the administration in power, for the the Biden regime. And she knows this, and she admitted it uh, during her first briefing. I just want to say a few words about how honored I am to be here with all of you today uh, in this role, in this room, standing behind this podium. I am obviously acutely aware uh, that my presence at this podium uh, represents a few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. Right there. Right there. Few firsts. Uh, I am a black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. They say, and, and the left says, they want to take race out of out of the narrative. They, they want to have a a non racist society, a society a society where you're not discriminated on based on your race. But they prop up people like that. Which I, I'm not saying that she's not qualified for the job. I am saying that she is being propped up solely because of her race and because of her gender and because she was an immigrant. That is the entire point of her being in this position. They're trying to check off as many equity boxes as they can. How many different boxes can we check off right how, how many different people can we can we turn to and in, in a custom but in, in target with our hires hey look this press secretary looks like me i'm going to vote for the democratic party is that how some people actually vote i mean there are so there are some um low ed, uh, lowly educated voters who probably vote that way but but that's their goal is right here, right here, we're going to push this down your throat. We're going to push the, this this agenda down your throat just so America might look like you by identity hiring a new press secretary. So I wish I, I wish her luck with, with the position, but I'm I'm not sure if she's there for for honest reasons. I'm not sure if she's there for for reasons that are in her control, right? And I hope that she is. I mean, I, I hope that her race and her sexuality and her gender 
weren't taken into consideration when she was hired. But based on her own words, I don't believe that's that's true. A black gay immigrant woman, the first of all three of those to hold this position. So we missed a lot this weekend, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to our Pennsylvania primary update. Because today is the Pennsylvania primary for their Senate race, gubernatorial race, as well as local races. At least I believe it's local races. Um, Today's also the runoff in Texas. But today, Pennsylvania has their big primary, and that's the one we're going to spend the most time on today. Because there is the strongest test, so to speak, for for President Trump's influence. He he endorsed Dr. Oz, uh, Mehmet Oz, for Senate, and he endorsed Doug Mastriano for for governor, which are two majorly different endorsements. Doug Mastriano is a based on the election integrity, based on most other policy guy who fought election integrity, who fought for your freedom and your vote. And Dr. Oz is just middle of the road. You know, um, the election might have been stolen, but we need to move on. We, we can't talk about it. That, that That's how he's been acting, right? But But two completely different people. But I honestly think that the non-Trump-endorsed Kathy Barnett has a very good chance in this race. Kathy Barnett it was conceived, I'm, I'm pretty sure she was a, a, a byproduct, for lack of a better word, um, when her mother was raped. So she is the definition of pro-life. She, if her parents weren't pro-life, I don't think she would be here. I mean, she wouldn't be here right now, right? So, so she is the epitome of who we need, especially in this time of Roe v. Wade having the chance of being overturned, the possibility of being overturned. She has some baggage. Everyone in this race has some baggage. And we, the, the GOP has failed to have good candidates running in these races. We, we know that. They, they haven't succeeded at this at all. Now, this is a four-minute ad. I don't want to play the whole ad. But I do want to play her story because I think it's very important. And I'm not endorsing her. I'm just. We need to look outside of the. The the endorsed candidates, right? Who, who Trump endorsed. And you need to think for yourself. But Doug Mastriano endorsed her. Yeah. Barnett about four years ago. And then uh, Rep. and I invited her to Harrisburg to be the keynote speaker at the introduction of my heartbeat bill legislation. That legislation is designed to save baby lives. If you hear a heartbeat, no abortion. I had nothing to do with the conditions that brought me into existence. And uh, Kathy's uh, story was intriguing because we had no idea when we invited her to speak that her tale actually is <laughs> very related to pro-life movement. And yet there I was being wonderfully and fearfully woven together in my mother's womb. We just knew her as a Fox News commentator and an award-winning author and so somebody who really stands for conservative values, and then she shared her heart and how she was conceived in rape when her mom was 11 years old. I was a human. I was a person. I was not some inanimate object. And, uh, the family got together and said, why should we punish this little one for some bad things that happened? And so they raised a strong 
person who's going to be the next senator of Pennsylvania. We are literally standing on pure gold uh, in Pennsylvania. And the fact that this administration has created a hostile environment for us to be able to drill and to invest. Instead, now we're on our hands and knees. She doesn't play around like these slippery politicians. Tell me that I want to go ahead and fade that out. But that, that was her ad with Doug Mastriano. The Trump-endorsed candidate for governor who endorsed her for Senate. So it's a kind of loop around here. Kathy Barnett is running against Oz, which is the Trump-endorsed candidate. Uh, Trump also endorsed Doug Mastriano, who endorsed Kathy Barnett, who was running against the Trump-endorsed candidate, Dr. Oz. It's a big loop around here. But I want to talk about the, the poll from, what is it, Trafalgar? That came out, was it last night or today? It was last night. Or actually overnight at like 1 a.m. Two percentage points, not even a full 2%, split Kathy Barnett and Mehmet Oz with a, what is the margin of error? The margin of error isn't published on this part. The MOE. Can I can I see the MOE, please? Margin of error is 2.9%. So the margin of error is 3%, and they are well within 2%. I think there's a chance. I I think there's a shot. I think there's a shot that Trump's influence is shown to to not be the end-all, be-all for campaigns. I supported President Trump in 2020. I worked on his campaign, but we need to have more than one leader. We need to have more than one person we look towards to, to see who we should support. It should be yourself, and it should be your faith and what you believe, and that should go down to who you support. I personally can't say that I'm going to support a candidate that talks like this. If I can pull up the right channel. Women who'd had coat hanger to medical school in Philadelphia. And I saw women who'd had coat hanger events. Mm. I mean, they're really traumatic events that happened when they were younger before Roe versus Wade. And many of them were harmed for life, emotionally discarding anyway. And listen, I'm at a personal level. I, I wouldn't want anyone in my family to have an abortion. I, I told my kids this. I mean, I, I love the, the I love the lives that they're creating so much that I, that I personally wouldn't want it. But I don't want to interfere with everyone else's stuff because it's hard enough to get into life as it is. What I do know as a physician is if you're going to make it a if the litmus test is the heart's beating, then really make it the heart beating. Mm-hmm. Don't make some surrogate version of it right. when you know cells are you know, are you know having electrical path. That's that's not what that's not what the average person thinks. Right. The average person is envisioning a little acorn heart beating in there. That's not what's that's going not on what it is. at six weeks. And I think the. The, the rule that, that most Americans seem to support is if the child was viable outside the womb, then you don't want to kill that child. Mm-hmm. If the child was not going to be able to survive. That's the end of the clip. But Dr. Oz would be a Senator Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, Democrat from New Jersey. That, that's a perfect representation of him is, is Senator Oprah, Democrat from New Jersey. He's not pro-life. He's not a conservative activist. He's not a conservative warrior. He's not America first like he claims. Dr. Oz is in it for Dr. Oz. And so I, I warn against his election today. I hope he isn't elected and I'm not going to endorse one of his challengers. But I do know that I am concerned that if Dr. Oz is elected to this position, he will be worse than a party line vote. He, he will be 
50% conservative, 50% Democrat. He, he will be the definition of the middle of the road. He has terrible favorable unfavorables. I don't see him getting out the vote. So I hope that Dr. Oz isn't the nominee. Um, well, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see who the nominee is, but I hope it's not Dr. Oz. Good luck to all the candidates running today. Also in, in North Carolina. Um, North Carolina, where are all the states at? All the states having elections today. I just saw it earlier today. I cannot remember which one it was, which states they were. Anyways, besides, that's besides the point. Good luck to all the candidates running today. Uh, when, when we return here on the Conservative Crusader, the Supreme Court agrees with Ted Cruz and strikes a campaign contribution restriction. A very cool clip from Clarence Thomas and Kentonji Brown Jackson said the abortion leak is such a departure from normal order. A lot to talk about with the Supreme Court today. My name is J.P. Dash. We'll talk about that when we return here on The Conservative Crusader. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. The Supreme Court agrees with Ted Cruz and strikes campaign contribution limit. The Supreme Court split along ideological lines in striking another campaign finance restriction Monday, agreeing with Republican Senator Ted Cruz, his challenge to federal limits on the use of post-election contributions to repay a candidate's loan to his campaign. It was the latest Supreme Court decision to knock down part of the landmark 2002 Bipartisan Campaign Reform Act, popularly known as the McCain-Feingold Act, and re-emphasize the court's view that many restrictions on campaign finance are unconstitutional violations of the First Amendment protection of political speech. Few issues, along with related laws clearly voting uh, regarding voting rights, divide the court's conservative and liberals so cleanly. The 63 ruling, uh, featuring the dueling opinions of conservative Chief Justice John Roberts and liberal Justice Elena Kagan, provided only the latest example. The government has not shown that the law furthers a permissible anti-corruption goal rather than the Im- uh, impermissible objects of simply limiting the amount of money in politics, wrote Roberts, joined by Clarence Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. Uh, the result was expected after an argument in the case was brought by Cruz and Roberts that it was simply a logical possession in cases, including one of its most controversial, Citizens United VFEC. The court has recognized only one permissible ground for restricting political speech, the prevention of quid pro quo corruption or its appearance, Roberts wrote. We have consistently rejected attempts to restrict campaign speech based on other legislative aims. We have denied attempts to reduce the amount of money in politics to level electoral opportunities by equalizing candidate resources and to limit the general influence a contributor may have over an elected official. However well-intentioned such proposals may be, the First Amendment, as this court has repeatedly emphasized, prohibits such attempts to tamper with the right of the citizens to choose who shall govern them, this quote is from one of the previous cases. I agree we need to get the money out of politics. I just wish it wasn't so saturated on the news every single night when you're trying to watch Jeopardy. Just just hammering you, vote for me, vote for me, vote for me. But making it illegal to repay debts to your campaign sh- should not be, wouldn't work. I, I don't believe It takes no political genius to see the heightened risk of corruption, the danger of I'll make you rich and you'll make me richer, arrangements between donors and shareholders, uh, Breyer and Sotomayor, as well as Kagan said, I believe. Yes, Kagan. 
The case involved a somewhat obscure portion of the McCain-Feinhold Act named after Senators John McCain and Russ Feingold. It caps at $250,000 the amount federal candidates can raise and use after an election to repay personal loans. Cruz in the 2018 Senate re-election campaign against Beto O'Rourke that Roberts noted was the most expensive in history lent his campaign $260,000 the day before the general election. The government tried to have the case thrown out, saying Cruz's injury was self-inflicted. He chose the amount to exceed the limits for a test case, and his campaign had on hand $2.2 million raised before the election that could have been used to fully repay the loan. But a pan- panel of judge that heard the, the, but the panel of judges that heard the suit unanimously disagreed. The flaw in the government's argument, they said, is that it would require Senator Cruz to avoid an injury by subjecting himself to the very framework he alleges is unconstitutional. I honestly don't have much of a much thoughts on this besides the fact that we do need to get money out of politics, but I don't think this is the way to do it. I think there should be some sort of possibly spending limits in some way. I don't know. Just saying that you can't. I mean, you're never going to stop them from spending all their money, but if you have money, spend it. It's just it's it's kind of insane how much money is spent if you don't loan yourself $10 million in Ohio, you have no chance at winning the election. You have no chance at even competing. It's pretty crazy to me that that's, that's the requirement is having that much money on hand. I mean, people were saying that if, if you don't lend yourself this much money, you have no chance, you, you, you can't compete. I mean, they're right. Money is what rules politics, but there should be some way... I, I don't I, I really don't know. But the Supreme Court disagree with Ted Cruz. They strike the campaign contribution limit to to refund himself. This was just a test case. You can tell by the way it was set up. Just happened to be the day before <laughs> the, the the campaign. He lent himself just over the amount he's allowed to repay. Just for a test case. Uh, he rejected the notions that contributions could be seen as gifts rather than simply making him whole for the money he spent on the campaign. If the candidate did not have the money to buy a car before he made a loan to his campaign, repayment of the loan would not change that in any way. Kagan rejected that on a point-by-point basis, starting with how the post-election contributions are different. And how, oh, they have influence, they have influence. But if you loan yourself money to your campaign, it's a loan. If you have the money in your campaign to, to, to repay, you should be able to repay it. It's, it's, it's that simple. But we are going to move on. I want to play a clip from Clarence Thomas, who is is... The best justice on the court, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know how he couldn't be seen as 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 one of the things I say in response to the media is when they talk about especially early on about the way I did my job. I said I will absolutely leave the court when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. (laughs) And that was meant as a compliment, really. (laughs) I will absolutely leave the court when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. The media does such a terrible job at reporting facts objectively, at reporting what's actually going on, at paying attention to the big picture. At being non-biased. If, if they do as bad, if Clarence Thomas does as bad as the media, he should resign. I, I agree. You know, maybe maybe in, in three years or so, but he is the best the best Supreme Court justice. I mean, it, it's true. He's, he's, he's funny. He's charismatic. And the left was pushing on his downfall for a reason when he, when he was unfortunately in the hospital because of an infection. 
that that's that's such a such a, a great a great statement, you know, a great a great clip that'll be on the soundboard for a while here at the Conservative. I want to I'm going to play one more one time. One of the things I say to, in response to the media is when they talk about, or especially early on, about the way I did my job. I said I will absolutely leave the court when I do my job as poorly as you do yours. <laughs> and that was meant as a compliment. That is Clarence Thomas. I'd love to have a conversation with him. That that'd be a great podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd love to have a conversation with him. That'd be, that'd be that'd be phenomenal. I would enjoy that. But unfortunately, I don't know if they do much partisan very many partisan interviews. But Katanji Brown Jackson. Been a while since we've talked about her. She was confirmed to the court with three Republicans breaking from the conservative minority in confirming her. Talked went to talk about the abortion leak and how it is such a departure from normal order. Justice uh, designate Kentaji Brown Jackson confirmed to the Supreme Court last month called the leak of a court draft decision such a departure from normal order during an interview with the Washington Post published on Monday. The leak revealed that the Supreme Court is prepared to overturn Roe v. Wade, which would make abortion immediately illegal in at least 13 states. Everyone who is familiar with the court and the way it the way in which it works was shocked by that. Such a departure from normal order, Jackson said of the leak. She said she couldn't answer as to whether the draft leak was a good thing or a bad thing and declined to comment when asked her view on protesters gathering outside of a justice's home. Uh, other members of the high court have spoken out about the unprecedented leak. Clarence Thomas called the leak tremendously bad as it damaged the public's trust of the court. Chief Justice John Roberts called the leak absolutely appalling but stressed it would not affect the court's work. So, I'm going to say it. If you are upset about this being the new normal of the court or, or this damaging the trust of the court or being a departure from normal order, look in the mirror. I mean, it's not every day that we have a, a justice being confirmed that has been weak on pedophiles, weak on rape cases, just weak on, on child predators in general as a, as a prosecutor. It's not very often that we have a justice who is so disliked by half of the country because of her policy, because of her failure to to prosecute fairly and to hold up the standards and to hold up the guidelines and, and the judge and the well, I don't know what the word is, but the the guides on how long someone should be sentenced during a child predator case. It's departure from normal order when a justice puts politics before the Constitution, before policy, and before government governance, and puts their politics of, of not wanting to hurt the the MAPs, the minor attracted people, with her prosecution, ahead of making sure the children that were abused are protected. And this isn't a departure from normal order if you look at the left. I mean, wanting to terrorize and tear up our foundations is not new. This was most likely a left-leaning justice who did this. I mean, it, it's it's not surprising. So is this really a departure from normal order? Or is it a departure of normal order because it looks bad on the left? Would she be saying the same thing if this happened to a Supreme Court justice that, or a case that could have been seen either way? If this was just like a, a normal case that was leaked, would, would she be so upset about it? If it was a case that looked bad on the left, she'd be insanely upset about it. 
and she'd say something about people protesting outside of homes. The departure from normal order is appointing a justice to the court who cannot protect innocent lives, whether that be out of the womb or in the womb. And she's got a lot to learn if she thinks that the new court with a Biden justice will be a normal order court. She has a lot to learn. But we are going to have to wrap up this show here. Um, once again, I, I meant to mention earlier in the in the Senate candidate section of the show that John Fetterman had a stroke. He's the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania and running for Senate. He's the major front runner for Senate. I'm not going to speculate on on his stroke or anything. I just want to say I'm praying for him. He he must not be doing well. He's not delivering election night remarks tonight. According to a report, his wife will be speaking for him. So I'm praying for him. I want to make sure he's healed okay. And I, I, I disagree with him on policy. And I can disagree with him on politics, but I don't want him to die. And I don't want any, anyone I disagree with to die. That's that's not that's not my goal. I, I don't think anyone should die because of their politics. So I, I'm praying for him. I hope he gets better. Um, and I hope he can represent his party. I, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't see him making it to the to the Senate, but I'm praying for him. You know, you, you can't look at this and say, oh, yes, this looks good for Republicans because now he's going to be injured. No, just, just stop. I'm praying for him. I hope he's better. I hope he heals up and gets back on the campaign trail soon. My name is Yopi Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning in today. If you haven't already, follow me on social media, GOP Josh 20 on Twitter and Instagram at GOP Josh on Gab, Getter Truth Social, Telegram, Parlor. Um, yeah, I don't have any. Uh, I don't have any other social medias I can think of at the top of my head. My name is GOP Josh. We, uh, we will not be right back after this. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully, with a brand new episode. My name is GOP Josh, and stay tuned. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. 